Good morning, church. I want to handle today's sermon just a little bit different than I normally do. And and some of the reason for that is that uh, this is Jesus praying. It's not Jesus praying or teaching his disciples how to pray like in the Lord's Prayer, which we've done this morning. But this is Jesus praying, having a conversation with God, but, but being aware that the disciples are listening. And then also, it starts off with having said these things or having spoken these words. Well, part of that whole thing going on right at the beginning or just before this prayer is, is that Jesus is speaking plainly so that everybody can understand exactly what's going on. And so as I do this, I'm, I'm going to enter into a time of just sort of reading and sort of the time has come, that sort of thing, and, and talking about the prayer, but also um, just be aware as you hear this uh, uh, regarding Jesus's self-awareness of what he's done and what he's accomplished and what he's about to accomplish. So there's two things there. He has accomplished something already, and he is about to accomplish something else. So let's do this, and let's just sort of investigate this prayer together, if you will. This is John 17, and I'm only going to do 1 through 19 today because it's really too much to handle in, it, in the time we have. After saying these things, that's after saying that he's overcome the world, that he wishes that they would have peace and that that peace would come from the Father. But it's not just peace from the Father that is has no foundation. That peace from the Father comes from those other four. Uh, I've told you this in advance, right? So I want you to know that you don't just have peace from the Father just sort of blindly because you have it. You get peace from the Father knowing that Jesus is the Messiah, that he and the Father are one, and that he has not abandoned you, and that he's given you a way that you don't have to abandon your faith. Therefore, you can have peace, and the Spirit is with you. So, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone, and he gives eternal life to each one of them that you have given him. And this is the way of eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Do you hear that? Having spoken these words, he's overcome the world. He's been in the world. He's done this. He has not sinned. He's kept everyone that the Father has given except for the one that had to, that had to do that. That's Judas. And, and God's given him authority. But listen to him pray. Father, glorify your son. He's, he's saying, glorify me now so that they will know all of the things I've said are true. You've given me authority, and with that authority, this is what I'm going to do. I've given eternal life to each of the people that you've given to me. And this is what eternal life is. 
realizing, you know, that as praying out loud, he's praying out loud, but also explaining. And sometimes public prayer is funky that way. You kind of have to do that. But he actually is talking about himself as Jesus the Christ in a prayer so that they will have no doubt that he knows he's the Lord as well. And this is the way to eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. He hasn't quite completed that work, but he has, he's, he's got the spot of no return as well. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Verse 6. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Think about that here as we're doing this that there's almost an essence of Jesus praying, not in chronological time, but in Kairos time. And Kairos time is not Kronos time. Those are the two Greek words for time. And one of those is how things go unfolding through history chronologically, Kronos time. And then Kairos time is sort of that time um, that is sort of without... A moment per se. Uh, it's more than um, like an athlete in the zone who doesn't notice what's going on around him. It's much more than that. It's it's really this moment where something you do is true for all the time that you do it. And so he's he's almost speaking in this, and and it's okay to sort of go in and out of this time when you're praying. Um, I want to make sure that you know that that we've we've spent some different types of prayer in the church, and we pray publicly, and we do some other things. And at the beginning of the service, we have a unison prayer that we do together, which is pre-written and all those things. And then, um, lots of times we have a pastoral prayer, which is finished with the Lord's prayer, but that is. Um, sometimes I read a, a pre-written prayer, but most of the time I'm in prayer. And then in other times I'm just praying and you're looking on or, or you're joining me in prayer, all those things. I don't want to discount that that is going on, but being in public prayer is a very interesting thing. And I know many of you are sort of afraid of doing it, but here's Jesus sort of not only doing it, but also instructing and doing it all at the same time, instructing, uh, being really clear to the people that are listening. It's, it's, it's not like he's preaching a sermon at the same time, but sort of explaining the prayer process as well. Verse six again, I have revealed you, Lord, that's God, to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, they know that everything I have is a gift from you, and I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. 
So there's this moment in chapter 16 where the disciples say, oh, you're speaking clearly now. Now we believe. And they go, right? That's verse 29 of of chapter 16. His disciples says, ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know all things and do not need need to question you anymore. And Jesus answers, now you believe, right? So that's where he's right here in verse 8 of chapter 17. They've accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe that you sent me. My prayer, this this is one of the stunning things here is, my prayer is not for the world, but for those you've given me. So there, there's some things in Jesus. He he's He's praying for the people that are his disciples that are his people that are the whole people of God. He's doing that. And um, when we say that Jesus is praying for the disciples, he's praying for the disciples specifically, but then he's also praying for the people that believe. And then all those people standing over their shoulders, listening in that's sort of us listening in as well. So he's, I'm praying for all those you've given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me. So they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in the world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given them to me in your name. Now protect them from the power of by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are united. So now there's this 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 shift in the thing, not just that they're mine, they were yours, you gave them to me, and I'm now asking you, now that I'm coming back to you, protect them, seal them. That's uh, the angels going through the, the world in the book of Revelation, right? Seal all those who are mine. Um, protect them. This is just another motion of of that iteration of God's doing this. I'm I'm not asking you to take them from this world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. How does that work in our lives? Does it does it often feel like we are safe from the evil one, or that the evil one can do stuff to us, but it doesn't damage us eternally? The question here belongs, right? What happened in the book of Job, where Joseph Job had all that stuff going on in his life and the evil one did actually touch him very severely and those belonging to him and God protected and had him. Now, I I don't want to get in that too far except for I'm pretty sure that Job wasn't having any fun in that moment and he probably didn't feel protected from the evil one, but that rather he he was protected but didn't know it. Or didn't, or didn't understand it at the time. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. You realize that, don't you? That you no longer belong to the world. Your, your feet don't have a UPC symbol on the bottom that says ownership and all that, but your heart has that and he has written his law on the hearts of those who believe in him and they and that that is where your UPC symbol 
is if I were to say that. Um, I'm, I, I'm not going to, I don't need to say that, but if we had to do that, that's essentially where that is. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Yes, see, do you see that we are sent in God's name and he's sending us in the way that Jesus was sent? Now, I want you to understand that Jesus didn't come with a whole bunch of, like an army and a warrior thing and a mentality. Jesus came as a baby in a manger, powerless and growing up in this world. Um, we as believers aren't powerless, but we are to be growing up in this world towards Christ, and we are to do no damage in the way that babies don't do any damage. As we grow up in this way, I want to make sure that you hear this thing. Um, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is the truth. So in the Tuesday night Bible study, those of you who've been now in the Tuesday night Bible study know that generally we cover whatever scripture we're covering is read out loud multiple times. And there's been a lot of discussion in the group so that they know why we're doing this. But why we're doing it more than anything else is that the word of God makes manifest God's life in you as you put it in you. And it doesn't do that by the plan of Pastor Dave. It does that with God's plan. And so as we put his word inside us and it takes root in our life, it has all sorts of things going on in it. And and I wouldn't even presume to tell you which order those things are going to come to reality or fruition in your life or maturity, however you want to say it. But what's really going on is we're trying to get the word into us so that then God can do whatever he wants and then, and then with it and then, and then as it takes root in our life and manifests his characteristics like this, it's like the fruit of the spirit. I heard a discussion the other day about the fruit of the spirit versus the seven spirit, sevenfold spirit of God, and what is the difference? And certainly they're different, but they are tied together. the 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 book of Revelation talks about God sending out the sevenfold spirit, His sevenfold spirit, right? The completeness seven is the number of completeness. The completeness of His spirit. We are not being rationed from the Spirit of God. God's not saying, well, I'm just going to give them a thimbleful here and a thimbleful there. We might only just accept a thimbleful at a time, but the rationing is on our side, not on God's side. God is not rationing his Spirit into our life. And one of the ways that we open ourselves up to that is we expose ourselves to the Bible, to his Word, to Jesus, to, to the life and blood and body of the church as we do that and 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 that is not an easily i i've read a lot of books that say well that happens first this way and then that way what i know is that none of those books really work exactly right the only book that works exactly right is the one that says this is the word of god put it in you and when you need it it'll come back out but that isn't a plan on how to do that. You have to make a plan to put it in you. That's what our Tuesday night Bible study is in there. Make them holy by your truth. 
teach them the word, that this is how God manifests, the sevenfold spirit of God manifests itself in our life, and then the fruit of the spirit, love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, self-control, all those things start to flow out of our life, but we have to put that in, and that's how God was made manifest on earth through in Jesus. Jesus kept God's character sacred and then was starting to manifest in his disciples and then the people behind them. And the, this is, may we be true in you in the same way that you are true in us. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them. Remember, he was sent and didn't do damage. Now that also doesn't mean that he never had an argument and he didn't offend anybody and he didn't because you can read the Gospels and you know that he really did um, do some things that were an offense to many people. He just didn't do them in such a way that there was no um, coming back from them. Anyway, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice so that they can be made holy by our truth. That's where I'm going to stop on the text today, but I'm not done talking about that. That he's going to give himself as a sacrifice so that we can be made holy by the text. There's this spot in here where lots of times in Christian heritage, just studying the Bible is what makes you holy. And, and, and I would like to tell you that that sometimes I'm interpreted that way as if I could just get them to study the Bible, they'd be holy. But it isn't that way. That isn't the way that it truly happens. The way that it truly happens is that literally we are the door to our holiness. As I said last week, the door to our holiness is literally through the sacrifice of Jesus and because the sacrifice of Jesus, it's better for him, us, that he should go to God so that the Holy Spirit can come, but that our righteousness only happens. The only way that we can be righteous is that the sacrifice is going. And so he's right here in this moment for us saying essentially the exact same thing that he's going to offer a sacrifice, not just so that our righteousness can come from God, but that God's word can be made manifest in us and that we can be holy and that we can be sent in his name. But all of these things are all wrapped up and together. Which one comes first? Reading the Bible or being sent in his name? All of them come together at the foot of the cross. And this is Jesus praying publicly not speaking in figurative terms anymore, but just making sure that we can do this. I think that I think that that's enough explanation for today. Let me go back and read this again for you, okay? Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you've given him, and this is eternal life, that, you, that they would know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ who sent them, whom you sent. 
I glorified you here on earth, Father, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world began. I have manifested your name to these people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were. And you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and have come to know the truth that I came from you, and that they believe that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you've given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and all yours are mine, and I am glorified in them, and I no longer and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be the one, be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except for the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may be joy-fulfilled, may, may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask them, ask you to take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into this world, so I have sent them into the world. And for the sake, I, for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they would be sanctified in truth. Lord Jesus, this morning, as we are here, I just ask that you would let this prayer wash through us, that we would understand how much Jesus going to the Father really means for us to be one, that we would, that we would be cleansed and transformed and, and that your word would be manifest in us, that that the character that is from you would be built up in us and, and it would change our lives and that we would do and submit ourselves what, to whatever is necessary to make that happen, just as Jesus was doing and submitting himself to whatever was necessary for God's plan to be made manifest in him and then in us, Lord, manifest in us the will to be your people. I thank you for each and every one here today and what it means to me to be encouraged this way. Encourage them and strengthen them for the journey ahead. In your precious name, Lord. Amen.